Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Third hour, we're going to start with uh, an interview of uh, the official historian of the Pete Callender program, which uh, that, that is Dr. Bill Forston. He's got a new book out. He is the author of One Second After, and he's got a new book coming. It's actually already out. He's also going to be doing, uh, he's, he's given a presentation, a speech. Uh, he's a uh, featured speaker at a, an event called the Heritage Life Skills event out in Western North Carolina. It's put on every year by the folks who uh, operate uh, Carolina Readiness Supply. And he's going to be the speaker out there. Uh, there, And so if you want to, he wrote the book, literally. He wrote the, the book on EMP attacks on America. So um, that's in the third hour. What did I do last night? Good question. I watched the Congressional Judiciary Committee <laughs> debate from a day or two ago. Yeah, that's what I did. That's what I, well, I mean, after I did some HOA-related things. That, oh, my gosh. People said I would regret it, and I am believing that they are correct. Okay, um... So what happened is, all right, let me go on the record first, and let me just say, I think that the Supreme Court should probably go ahead and adopt a code of ethics or a code of conduct. I have no problem with that. They should do that. All the other courts have them. All the other federal courts have a code of conduct, and so the Supreme Court should have one. Just go ahead and do that. That being said, I don't think think I'm going to take a code of conduct suggestion from Adam Schiff. Four brains. I'm not, I'm not going to, or Jerry Nadler. I'm not going to take, yeah, not going to take it from them. Sorry guys. But that's what they were arguing over uh, at this uh, congressional hearing. This was over in the house. Now the Senate has also been pushing this because remember, so all of this started with that, report from ProPublica, a series of stories that revealed Clarence Thomas is friends with a rich guy. Oh, hang on. I guess I should, yeah. There you go. That's appropriate now. Um, yeah, he's friends with a rich guy. And they would take trips, he would go places, stay at his house, and that sort of stuff. And then he he did not declare these things. And apparently he didn't break any rules. He declared other stuff and they, yeah. So, but, but ProPublica identified uh, this connection. Okay. So uh, Crow, that's the guy's name, Harlan Crow. He's a, he's a very rich guy and he's a big time donor to Republican uh, campaigns and such. And uh, he let Thomas uh, uh, use his private jet his luxury yacht, um, and he purchased property 
from Thomas and his family, none of which was reported on annual disclosure forms. Now, as I understand it, Harlan Crow never had any kind of business before the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, so there's no, there's no quid pro quo corruption going on here that anybody has been able to cite for me, but I do think like you should be disclosing this stuff. Because had ProPublica never uncovered it, then we would not know. And by the way, there are other judges that we have now learned had some uh, dealings of a similar sort, such as Sotomayor. That's how you're supposed to say it, too. Obama taught me that. Sonia Sotomayor. So I would prefer sunlight. That's, that, that's my default on all of this stuff. Like, yes, I want to know. Publish the connections. You're taking trips. You're 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 getting perks from rich people. They're buying property from you. Yeah, I think you should disclose that stuff. Now, uh, and and I think the Supreme Court. Yeah, you could probably use a code of ethics. Just good to have. You know, you guys work it out amongst yourself. You're a bunch of lawyers with robes, so you can probably figure out. Uh, well, actually, as I'm saying that, it's overlooking the lawyer part, I guess. All right, we'll get some people to draw up a code of conduct. For you guys, or maybe just take the ones that are at the the lower levels, at the you know appeals courts or at the federal court level, or you know whatever. You just take those and just you know white out the top part and put supreme, yeah, at the top. There you go. So uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee also uh, is uh, doing this because this is Democrats are leaning in on this issue because uh, they they want everybody to know that the Supreme Court is now. Uh, an institution to be ignored. It is corrupt. It's a, it's a reactionary uh, panel. That's what Adam Schiff called it. So this is the, the narrative that the, uh, that the Democrats and their, their media allies are uh, trying to calcify. They want people to not have faith or confidence in the Supreme court. They want to undermine the faith in that institution. Why? Because it doesn't give them the results they, uh, they want anymore. And so it must be ignored until they can get into a position to corrupt it and change its makeup so it will once again deliver results that the left prefers, right? That's, that's the play. And in the meantime, while they're undermining it, it also allows them and allows others, right, to start doubting whether we should even be following these rulings, right? So... The chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Dick Durbin, uh, he said, let's not have another summer of justices jetting off for luxury junkets under an inadequate set of ethics rules. The hearing was ostensibly focused on a proposal that would require the court to adopt a code of conduct and create a process for submitting ethics complaints. But several members of the committee also eagerly responded to remarks last month from Chief Justice John Roberts in which he acknowledged that the ethics debate is, quote, an issue of concern inside the court. Senator Shelley Whitehouse said the American... I'm not, wait, hang on a second. Is he still a member of that uh, whites-only club? Sorry, is he still a member of both of those whites-only clubs in Rhode Island? I feel like I shouldn't even listen to anything he has to say as long as he's still a member of a racist or sorry, two of two racist clubs. I didn't know that was such a thing in Rhode Island. 
Apparently it is. Uh, the American people, he says, are tired of waiting. If the Supreme Court isn't going to do anything to restore the public's trust, then it's up to us in Congress. The back and forth followed a series of stories in ProPublica, blah, blah, blah. Roberts had raised separation of powers concerns with the notion of Congress imposing a code of ethics on the court. Though that argument appears uh, to divide legal experts who say lawmakers have previously passed laws directing court procedures anyway. So this is why it would be better, I think, if the Supreme Court just did it themselves, if they were to just come up with some sort of a process, um, rather than letting the Democrats write some sort of ethics complaint process. Because you know what's going to happen there, right? Yeah, there's, that's, that, that's going to get abused. Durbin called attention to a subtle development as it is described at uh, USA Today by one John Fritzy, who says, Durbin called attention to the subtle development that has been followed closely by court watchers. Justice Elena Kagan has twice in recent weeks explained her recusal in decisions about whether to grant or deny an appeal. In both instances, Kagan cited a provision of the law that requires jurists to recuse themselves if they had prior involvement in the case on behalf of the government. Oh, it says she gets a star for following the rules? No, no, it's that she told us why she's recusing herself. Well, we would know that because she, she was involved in the case before. Like, that would be really weird, don't you think? Like, if you argued a case and then got a Supreme Court appointment and then heard that very case... In your courtroom now? Like, that would be weird. Sort of like Anita Earls at the North Carolina Supreme Court did. Like that. Like that kind of a violation of ethics. Right. So, yes, they're not allowed to do that on the U.S. Supreme Court. Justice Sam Alito recused himself in another case last month, but he didn't explain his reasoning. See? So that's the juxtaposition there for you. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Yes, I did see the video of Joe Biden getting a bit handsy with Eva Longoria. After the hug, he allows his hands to, to linger and then she has to direct his hands away from her torso. Um, yeah. Well, it's like Trump said, sometimes they let you, they just let you do it. I mean, just. Alrighty. So uh, let me, Oh, here, I got an email. This is uh, on the ethics rules. The Congress, the most corrupt governing body in the U S wants ethics rules for the Supreme court. How many congressmen or, and women and senators go in with, average wealth and come out extremely wealthy. Well, that's just because they all have, they right. They, it's one of their uh, orientation classes that they go to and they're told how to invest wisely. 
And then they all pick the best stocks to trade just coincidentally. Either that or they're using Nancy Pelosi as their money manager. Because she's fantastic. She beats the market like every year. It's amazing. She's like the best investor. It's surprising. Like, why would you go to Congress and and you know be a, a congressperson, the speaker of the house? Like, why go that route? You could have made well, she did make millions, actually. All right. Well, you probably could have made way more money as a money manager for other people, you know? Um, Dave says this is the ultimate in the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. Which like that's and that is one of the things like you know, the optics matter on this. So why not, if you're the Supreme Court, why not just do a code of ethics yourselves, right? Just implement one for yourself, and then the then the issue goes away. And and make you know make some sort of complaint system, not something that's easily abused by these leftist organizations, because that's exactly what is going to happen if the Democrats um, are able to you know, craft some sort of a complaint process. All right, let me get to some of the audio here. Uh, first up, this is uh, Schiff. Adam Schiff, for brains, said the SCOTUS, that's the Supreme Court. He says the SCO. all right, I'll, 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 okay, I'll just keep calling it the Supreme Court. So he says the court has, quote, become a partisan institution with a reactionary social agenda that has disregarded decades of precedent and denied millions of Americans the right to reproductive freedom. That's the new phrase, I guess. And has taken aim at clear air. That These are his words. Clear air and clear water protections. The Code of Ethics for the Supreme Court is badly needed. As we've seen with serious allegations of undisclosed gifts and undisclosed travel and undisclosed lodging and undisclosed payments and benefits or compensation received by justices or their families from individuals and law firms with business before the Supreme Court, a code of ethics is absolutely essential. Uh, this uh, amendment, which would require that before these kind of changes go into effect, that all federal courts have a code of ethics uh, is a small step uh, to dealing with a very large problem at the Supreme Court. Uh, in fact, I think term limits on the Supreme Court uh, in which justices after an appropriate time would be required to um, relocate to the Court of Appeals or the District Court uh, are also an important reform and I think the court needs to be expanded uh, given that the court was <laughs> packed by Mitch McConnell. Uh, depriving a Democratic president of an appointment uh, because he said the election was too close, and then in the most jarringly hypocritical fashion, uh, jamming down another appointment uh, during a Republican presidency when people were literally voting for Joe Biden for president. This guy is such a jerk. Um, <laughs> he is such a jerk. Oh, Ugh. he just like I. He just makes me feel just dirty. Um, term limits for. U.S. Supreme Court justices and uh, expansion of the the court, packing the court. That's that's so. Here's the thing: the Democrats are running this language of packing the court. They run this language so they can do it. That's the point, right? They want the term "packing the court" to be associated with making appointments to the to the court, and that this was bad. That the Republicans did what they're allowed to do. What they're you know make appointments to the open seats. And because they did it first, we get to do it. 
even though what you want to do is different. You want to expand the court, which is actually the original definition of packing the court. All right, Dan Bishop does not take well to this uh, argument. We'll take a listen to what Dan had to say in a moment. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Here's Mark. Welcome to the program. Hey, Mark. Hi, Pete. Um... Yes, I uh, I did the I did the proverbial eye roll in uh, some of the beginning some of the remarks from it read by Adam Schiff and talking about uh, women's reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. So I just as I said to the screener and I said, well, this is a fallacy of uh, argumentum ad nauseum. Or see also appeal to extremes. So why does he just call it women's women's reproductive rights is women's bodily autonomy. Well, then he does know what a woman is. Mm-hmm. He does know what a bodily autonomy is. Right, that's you know, why he... The concept, yeah. Right, he keeps saying, uh, uh, Americans' right to reproductive freedom. There, he's trying to, yeah, so it, it allows him to not have to define a woman or a man, uh, not have to worry about, you know, using the term birthing person or some ridiculous thing like that, but... Also trying to expand this notion that, you know, reproductive freedom is somehow um, is, a, is an all-encompassing term that's going to affect everybody all the time that you're doing anything sex-related, I guess. That's, that's right. And this has been going on for, well, this has been going on since we had um, LBJ, in, you know, in act, announced the... Um, Great Society of the Sexually Liberated Male from the silly 60s. It's going on for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, I appreciate this the call. This can, makes it a transferable concept. Well, I said, well, and we have the trans, transgender thing, or we want to really want to call it mutilation if you want to do that. It's the same thing. Bodily autonomy. Okay. And that's fine, but please, you know, I appreciate the cities and the states starting to do that. You can't fly the pride, the pride flag, and there's already a bill that's passed the House that the pride flag has to be banned from all United States government buildings. The only flag you can fly is the American flag. Well, yeah, I said the same thing when there was the big fight over the Confederate flag in South Carolina, and I said the same thing. You, you know, you don't get to fly other flags on government buildings except the U.S. flag. Uh, that's it. Right. So yeah. the other one is, and I said, there's a couple of. I said, I am. If you want to have the Confederate flag and hang it up in your home, that's fine. You want to display it on your private, real property in your name that you pay a mortgage on, you pay taxes on. I don't have a problem with that. And uh, you want to fly the pride flag? But I said, you want to fly another country's flag? You want to put it out on a, on a, um, you know, uh, 
old bandit sign, uh, a version, a miniature version of another country's flag uh, on a nonprofit. Well, that's free. That's protected free speech. I'm talking about the Ukrainian flag. Yet, kind of feel uh, like yes, we're... that's a debate for another time. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right, Mark, I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't know how we got onto the flag debate, but um, okay, yeah, I don't know. Dan Bishop discussing the uh, this idea that the Supreme Court needs to have a code of ethics and um, the Congress, the Democrats in Congress, want Congress to make that a law. And so Adam Schiff on the Senate, or sorry, the House Judiciary, um, he ran an amendment to a bill. So this is why they're debating this amendment, because um, it would direct, he's trying to tack it on to another bill. And so uh, Adam Schiff says that the Supreme Court is this reactionary, it's a, a social agenda um, uh, institution, partisan institution. So, and then he says that Mitch McConnell packed the court. So Dan Bishop says Democrats are just mad that they have lost court cases and not just court cases. They're 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 mad about more than just that. When they are mad about decisions that they do not like politically, Democrats have indicated have demonstrated time and again that they're prepared to fundamentally alter the institution. They will strip down the United States Supreme Court as it has been composed. Uh, they want to delegitimize justices on the court who followed all of the rules by uh, allying with the with uh, people in far left media and continuing salacious attacks on things that have been entirely compliant with all applicable rules. For the they, if they can't control the, if they can't have the political result from the court that they desire, they will destroy the court. That's the way it works. Absolute power is the objective, and anything that stands in the way must give way, no matter how fundamental the attack needs to be. So you hear all sorts of things like a ridiculous argument that we need more justices on the Supreme Court so there'll be one to conform to each circuit court of appeals. How absurd. No, the answer is they're angry, as you say. They're mad at the fact that they don't have, they haven't been able to secure appointment of the judges and confirmation of the judges, justices they want to the Supreme Court in a few years. Consequently, they must destroy it. Next up, Jim Jordan challenges Schiff and then Wyoming's uh, representative Harriet Hageman uh, she raises other examples, too. Is it good behavior for the majority leader of the Senate to stand on the steps of the Supreme Court and threaten two sitting justices? Uh, well, there, the, there are remedies which well, are called... The yes or no. You, you pose a number of yes and no questions. I'm reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. All right, so he's talking about Chuck Schumer and, you know, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh reap the whirlwind, right? Um, in the Senate and in the House, we have a code of ethics. But apparently the Republicans don't believe there should be a code of ethics for the Supreme Court. And why? Because the Supreme Court is doing the bidding of the Republicans. Uh, it used to be a conservative court, but it's not a conservative court anymore. A conservative court would have some respect for precedent. This court has no respect for precedent. It is a partisan reactionary court, but it's doing your partisan reactionary work. So you don't care who they're selling their property to. You don't care if they have business before the court. You don't care who they're staying with, whose yacht they're on. You don't care about any of that. You don't want a code of ethics 
for justices who are doing your political uh, dirty work? Well, I do. I don't think it should be a, a choice between uh, either you impeach them or they can sit on the court and be as corrupt as they want. The, you know, it's a binary choice. You accept whatever corruption as long as you get the court decisions you want or impeachment. No, they ought to have a code of ethics. Like any other federal officer, there should be some code of ethics. It shouldn't be too much to ask. I, I mean, do you really think it's right for, for justices to be doing luxury travel with people with interest before the court and not reporting it? Do you really think that's good behavior? Will the gentleman yield? Uh, I'll yield for an answer to that question. Do you think that's good behavior? No, and I think that that's a question perhaps that ought to be asked of Justice Sotomayor and Justice, former Justice Breyer, because the, uh, the evidence oh. against them is uh, in, in terms of taking money and, and travel and things like that from uh, people who had or entities that had cases before We're the Supreme Court. Reclaiming my time. Our legion. I'm, I'm, glad our legion. To, I'm glad to hear you our acknowledge. Legion. I'm glad to hear you acknowledge that Clarence Thomas was engaged in bad behavior. So that's what he takes away from it. But he doesn't mention anything about Sotomayor and her bad behavior, right? That's the way it works. The dirty work, I think, is what he called it, right? This is the exchange here between uh, Dan Bishop and uh, Adam Schiff over what the term court packing means. I learned in grade school, though, that the court packing plan was what FDR did when he proposed to expand the size of the court. True. Knowing that he dominated Congress, his party dominated Congress. Mm -hmm. And so since he didn't like the results of the Lochner-era justices, uh, he was he threatened to grow the court so he could get rid of them without having their opinions evolve, but just replace, add enough justices to outvote them. I didn't make up the term the court packing plan. That's what I learned about in grade school, right? With the gentleman yet? Not until I make this point. <clears throat> one of the things that, that is so, I, I made the point, one point just to follow up the point that I made earlier about, it's not just a question about you're mad at the results of a court that construes the law in accordance with what's written, but it is something beyond that that, that is, it's a, it's, a, it's a far more radical thing. You are, you're, you're ready to destroy the court, fundamentally change the court, and it actually goes even beyond that. You will change the definition of words. Yep. So when Mitch McConnell, I don't know all the rules of the Senate about him, but because they, he, he used his position as the leader of the Senate and the majority to delay a vote in one case, schedule a vote in another, so you didn't, so there was a political outcome in terms of justices being confirmed by ordinary, longstanding existing processes that you didn't like the outcome of because of the way a vote was scheduled in the Senate, then you've, you've consistently, as long as I've sat on this committee and long I've been watching and listening uh, before that, you've said you've applied the term packing. So the ranking member did it multiple times, I think maybe uh, the gentleman from California also, but you, you say over and over that, that uh, Mitch McConnell packed the court. Well, not unless you change the definition of what court packing is. Right. And I guess you can, you can change the court. Uh, you can uh, uh, come up, you know, you can... Uh, Delegitimize the court. You can uh, slander and slime justices over issues that are in compliance with the rules. That, that they and and certainly judged by the same standard. Other justices have done the same things. Uh, but you can call them criminals. You can talk about them being corrupt. You can 
imply that they ought to be impeached, even though you don't have enough courage to bring the the the, um, the articles, apparently. Right. But that's not far enough for you. You'll change definition of words. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, you do you. Will you with a gentleman well, yield? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you can explain it. that. Well, I think your your recollection, and I'm not saying it's a personal recollection, but your recollection of what Roosevelt tried to do to expand the court is correct, and they did call it court packing. He was unsuccessful. Mitch McConnell tried a different kind of court packing, and he was successful. Well, because, but it's not because his I'll argument. Take the, I'll his, take the, his let me argument. ask you the question. I'll ask you this question. I'll take my time back and yeah. ask you because again, you said he packed the court, but but do, do you deny that throughout all American history, until you, uh, that that court packing meant something other than uh, the way you run the Senate to either. Uh, confirm or not confirm justices and by their processes under their rules that didn't that's not packing what, is what, it what what was what was I'll yield for that for then answer no, that I, question I, it is absolutely packing when you in an unprecedented manner withhold an appointment of one justice making the argument it was too close to the election nine months before the election and then mere weeks before the, the election you jam an appointment down so that you have a democratic appointment thwarted a Republican appointment uh, jammed in complete contradiction well, to the earlier argument, that is packing the court. And the result okay. of those two justices means an entire generation of Americans will live under a reactionary court, <laughs> there it but is again. for the fact that he did it. Well, well, the gentleman I, from North Carolina I, I, yield to me? No, I'm, I'm going to respond to that. Um, I'm, and you can use, you know, you can call, you can use any word that you want to and change the definition. But that was about how votes, uh, procedural rules were applied in the Senate. You can disagree with them, but that's how the majority, I mean, I, I watched, you guys used, um, under Nancy Pelosi, you used uh, same day authority forever. You, you dispensed with the requirement of quorum. You let people stay home for in the entire Congress and yet record votes. I don't think any of that made sense, but the way you resolve that is not go fundamentally change the institution of the Congress, it's defeat you in an election and take over and run it the way it should be run. That's not packing. It's not the same thing as fundamentally upending an institution. I yield back. Yeah. Dan Bishop, everybody. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Changing the definition of the words. Why? Because they want to be able to pack the court and not suffer any kind of PR hit. So they're, they're going with the thing. You did it first. Right? Even though it's not the same thing. It's the first step to normalizing the term for what the, the Republican Senate leader did. Which, by the way, remember, the reason why that existed, the, the, rule, the rule that McConnell cited was, what did they call it? The Biden rule, remember? That you wait. This was the rule that the Senate Democrats on judiciary, Joe Biden being the chair, he was the one that said, we should let voters pick the president first. Because that's when they thought they were going to win. See, it's all about what gets them the leverage, what gets them the power, what gives them the inside track. And then they get very upset when Republicans play turnabout. I do have I do have one more audio clip. I will come back to on this. 